Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for August has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. Uh, off the top of the show today, Hover.com has sponsored this episode, and they bring you Simplified Domain Management. You've probably registered a domain with a company that just wants to sell you services you're not interested in when all you want is a simple .com or maybe a .co or .tv. Hover makes it easy. Just enter the domain name you're interested in into their search box, and Hover will tell you if it's available. If not, it'll come up with some suggestions. You can also just type in a few keywords, and Hover will figure out some available domains using those terms for you like magic. They've just announced something new. From now until September 30th, you can get a .me for only $15 a year. It's a great alternative to the .com you wanted, so take control of your online presence and get a .me. Do as much or as little as you want with your .me, like setting up an online portfolio, or merely forward it to your Twitter feed. Check out more about .me over at hover.com slash blog. Hover now supports Google Apps for business, including Gmail, Calendar, Drive, and more, all for just $6 per user per month. And the great part is that you can try Google Apps for Business free for 30 days. They have real human beings available for support, and their number is right on the front page of their website. If you have any problems, just pick up the phone and call. They have a no-hold policy. Somebody just answers the phone. Seamless transfers from other providers, elegant DNS management, email hosting, and more. And if you use the code DANSENTME or visit Hover.com slash DANSENTME, you'll get 10% off of everything you buy from Hover.com. My guest this week is um, my little brother, uh, Wesley Terpstra. <laughs> He's a visual artist, a husband, and a father. And uh, currently, you're attending Georgia State? Correct. Georgia uh, State University in Atlanta, a Georgia. Fellowship? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm there as part what? of a fellowship and assistantship. Sorry, my computer's making noises when I thought it was on mute. Um, so... Let's see. You 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 graduated from the Savannah College of Art and Design, and you uh, you immediately went to what, Hong Kong. Well, not quite immediately after graduating. Um, I first went to Atlanta and worked with um, an interior design group right. doing murals and decorative painting, um, which though might be frowned upon as not being highbrow. Um, I, I really enjoyed that fact. <laughs> too much highbrow can just be too much. Um, and then I did some renovation project management of of some historic homes in Savannah, Georgia. And then Ashley and I moved to Hong Kong to be artists in residence at an international school. Nice. So I gotta I gotta mention when you were doing these interiors, you were doing some faux. Uh, like yes. inlays? Um, a lot of different effects where you would be creating things to look like, say, wood or marble or, you know. Right. Uh, but like in entryways, you did like family crests and things. Right. That one was one that I I designed on my own uh, stenciling project of different types of wood appearance um, to create what looked to be... Um, 
wood inlay made of maybe four different types of wood of a family crest on the entryway floor. They were gorgeous. I saw yeah, pictures. Yeah, I, I, I was very pleased close, with how it, how it turned out. Yeah. Nice. So as an artist, how do you feel that being artistic? I mean, it, okay, first, do you feel like you you are different than the average person as an artist? Did some Is there something about your personality that led you into this field that you think other people don't have? In a way, yes. I, I think that a lot of people, I mean, everyone has their propensities, you know, that that maybe at an early age they had um, an interaction that left them feeling different and they continue to pursue that. So I'm not, um, not foreclosing on the potential for anyone to pursue it. But yes, I have developed <laughs> along a, a particular vein that... Um, that connects how I think about just about everything um, to art in a way that I, I don't often find a relation with other people. And is that, um, does that affect the way you see the world in general? Absolutely. Um, but I, I like the fact that my propensity leads to a different sort of pattern finding or looking for systems or interactions, much like how I would view the interaction of colors, for instance, or, you know, spectrums that when I can look at how people are reacting to things or how I take in media or conversation um, that I often find a correlation there. Is there um, a correlation for you between art and uh, say mathematics, uh, you mentioned pattern finding, you mentioned it's almost a data analysis that you do on the fly. Yes, definitely. I mean, if, if mathematics is another system um, that can be used to both make sense of something existing and also to you know, create new things, then yeah, it's, it's precisely analysis. Um, and a large part of art for me is being able to um, see with intentionality to know what you're looking at, you know, um, to be able to break it down and understand it differently. So uh, describe that a little bit. Like you have a a concrete example of something that you can break down from a visual perspective. Um, I know that's a, that's an on the spot question, but there are lots of ways we can go with it, but I guess I'll think of the example of, um, how our eyes are um, are one of our last forms of mediation between something presented and us receiving it. Um, And we assume that 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 mediation is non-biased and accurate. Um, But when we study, say, color theory and some of the, the, the unexpected results of colors being viewed in different contexts, we realize that it is another form of mediation with its own strengths and weaknesses. Um, and, and that idea can be applied all around us. You know, how, how is presented information altered and how are we receiving it differently? And, and do different people, is it safe to say that unlike mathematics, 
a certain color combination can be viewed and have different effects on different people and their perception of it? Yes. Um, I'm not an expert in mathematics, so someone might have a more enlightened view of contextual interpretation I'm not familiar with. But yes, context is very important um, in, in a large way when we're viewing something outside of us. Uh, we're still viewing part of us, you know, that it's, it's light bouncing off of things around us that we then receive into our eye and our brain and process it in light of our experiences and understanding. So um, in a way, if you don't expect to see something, uh, you can't see it. That makes sense. And vice versa. That makes sense. So we played Cards Against Humanity last night. We did. How do you think that, how, do you, how, how did you feel that you viewed, because in Cards Against Humanity, which is for people who don't know, it's apples to apples with slightly more disturbing uh, cards. Um, but you, you have to play it and you have to gear your answer toward the person who's dealing the deck because they're the one who decides who won the round based on purely subjective opinions. Mm -hmm. How do you think that various personalities, artistic and non, what this leads to another question. Don't worry. Um, right. How do you think that in, in a, in a situation like that w with humor, with uh, almost uh, ju judgment qualities, it, do you mm -hmm. think that the creative mindset has a different subjective uh, uh, interpretation of humor and other uh, necessary components to win a game like that. I mean, as we're creating the, the phrase, we're tailoring our, our creation to its audience. Right. And the person who ends up reading them, their interpretation of, of humor, I guess. Do mm -hmm. you, do you think you have a different sense of humor than maybe I do? Yeah. <laughs> Knowing you, I know we have, there's overlap. We'll, we'll call it a happy Venn diagram. Um, but yeah, I mean, humor is, that's a really interesting thing. Is it, you know, it's ba basically just a representation of how we, how we think about things, you know? Um, I think our, one of our common traits is enjoying some literal qualities of, of jokes and, a lot of people that just doesn't fly. And <laughs> I guess that has to do with just how, how sometimes we want to look at things more logically. Yeah. That's pretty much a family trait for us. Yeah. Dry, literal humor. Yeah. Um, so, okay. This is a topic I've broached with other guests, but uh, creativity, you mentioned early on that, you know, everyone has the potential to be an mm -hmm. artist, but, but things shape differently for different people. Is there, is there anyone you've ever met that doesn't have what you would call creativity in some, in some form? It seems to me that creativity, you don't have to name names here. Oh yeah. Don't, don't worry. Um, Paul, <laughs> um, it seems to me that creativity is, basically a necessary element for survival. I and mean, just like you were saying with, with the game last night and how we 
um, even not consciously, sometimes are tailoring our interactions to our audience or tailoring our responses to its you know, provider. And I, I don't see that um, you know, our societies could develop very well, very cooperatively without you know, creative um, elements. That's, that's problem solving in a way. I, I would entirely agree with that. I, I find that what I do is creative um, programming and, and I, I moved away from the design, the visual element of a lot of things, but I still find that the way that I tackle problems on the back end of say websites or applications, it takes creativity. And I do see people that some people that are more creative than others, but I, it's a necessary survival skill, like you said. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, we can't necessarily define, you know, how everyone is creative. Um, and sometimes you need to be simply receptive of someone else's creativity. It's interesting, though, that creativity in some areas, such as creative accounting, <laughs> is illegal. Right. That's a generous term. <laughs> Yeah, there are definitely more direct statements that could be made. There are uh, like illegal accounting, (laughs) right? Inaccurate. It's right. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose creativity doesn't always have to follow uh, color within the lines, but Mm -hmm. but sometimes coloring outside the lines intentionally has uh, ill results. If you're telling somebody that. You're coloring in the lines and then you color out. Well, right. It could be confusing. Well, I feel like our current our current societal development is hung up right now by people who refuse to be creative. And I'm not making any partisan statements. I'm just saying that we have this gridlock in our political system that is entirely uncreative. And and I feel I feel frustrated because if we had more creativity in our legal and and political system, we'd be getting somewhere right now. Perhaps so. I just turned this into politics. Yeah, you you noticed that kind of went quiet. I did. I did. <laughs> I felt. I, I sensed the. My my only response to that is well, in some ways, having an inefficient system is one of the best things for us. Very efficient political systems. Um, they they turn out pretty badly pretty they, quickly. They can be frightening, yes. Yeah. Yeah, inefficiency really is served efficient. as... That was one of my cards I didn't get to play last night. It just <laughs> said Stalin. Boy, there you go. I just did not find the opportunity for that. Yeah. So um, I'm going to do sponsor number two, and then we have a special topic that I want to uh, broach with you. Oh, boy. So... Our second sponsor today is, where am I? Ah, Shutterstock.com. At Shutterstock, you'll find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. Start your search at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Shutterstock.com gives you a global image collection to find images from around the world to suit your project. You can choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages. 
If you need just one image for your blog or a mock-up, you can do that too. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you'll find something new because they add 10,000 new images every day. It's more affordable than you think, too, with no extra charge for large files. Download any image at any size and pay only one price. Easily curate and share pictures via Lightboxes. You can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own Lightbox gallery as you search, on the web, or with their iPad app. There's also something called Enhanced License Access. If you like an image and want to run it on print or swag for your trade shows, they can get you an enhanced license for any image. They also have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, and video clips should you need any of those. If you need help at Shutterstock.com, you get an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any questions. They also have 24-hour support during the week. Sign up for a free browse account. Go to Shutterstock.com. No credit card needed. When you find the images you like and decide to purchase, use the offer code DANSENTME8 and get 30% off of any package. Wesley, you took a long walk. I did. Yeah, I love walking. Why um, do you love walking before we talk about your walk? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert, and walking is a great way to just I move around, and I'm placed in new environments, and my context shifts. I'm asked to listen to things differently. You know, it's, it's just uh, an immersive experience for me. Immersive. All right. So uh, you trained for a while. You bought a bunch of walking shoes and you walked from Savannah, Georgia to Winona, Minnesota. That is correct. I didn't really buy that many shoes. I found that um, for that kind of thing, fancy walking shoes just didn't cut it. I, I bought cheap things with soft soles and Velcro. Did you have insoles for those? Yeah. And a warp little pantyhose underneath my, well, I guess they're nylons, pantyhose are a full thing, right? I don't know, but most stuff. people wouldn't know. admit that either way. Well, nylons on the feet underneath the socks to yeah. reduce friction. Like, yeah. Yeah. Blisters. Yeah, that's yes, interesting. That, that was my long, my long walk. And was this driven it. by your introspection in some way? Yes. Um, I was living in Savannah, Georgia, but I'm from Winona, Minnesota, and I was thinking one day, this seems like two different places, two different worlds that I can't connect. You know, they, I don't know how they relate. And so my form of logic said, well, you should probably just see every step between them and then you'll connect them. Um, and I thought that's a ridiculous idea, but it stuck around. So I did it. And a ridiculous idea is exactly what you would decide needed to be done. Yes, that's often how I how I find, like, oh, this is exciting. I really want to do this because I get scared and think, why would you do that? That's too much. And then I just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so what unexpected side benefit or benefits would you say that uh, an extensive walk like that had for you? Um, it, it really did change or, or mature a lot of how I, how I view things. I mean, my patience through training and walking increased even more to the point that now, yeah, I just don't react to anything. <laughs> so it, it literally changed your perspective on everything? 
in a way. Yeah. Like to this day, you feel like it, it altered you. Yes. Hmm. Yes. I still, I still, um, very often come to a point where I think, oh yeah, that I can trace that back to the walk. And yeah. so, so it's not just walking itself. It's, it's what you see on the way because I walk with this new treadmill I have every day and I do <laughs> right. zero, zero self-examination, zero, uh, interpretation of my surroundings because I don't really have any surroundings that mm-hmm. I'm not already seeing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did it, you go ahead? I could not, I could not ever be in control of my environment. Um, you know, I didn't have, um, an iPhone or, any anything to listen to i my only music was what was happening around me um yeah that's that i couldn't ever just say oh i'm going to make this happen um the discomfort of blisters or muscle ache was always there um the uncomfortable interactions sometimes with strangers um or sometimes really really uplifting ones also there. <laughs> um, and yeah and so just being being completely incapable of controlling your environment for you know three and a half months it, that had a big impact i think that's a personality trait we don't necessarily like i just there's no appeal to me to being out of control well right i mean who who would say like yep that's what I want for my life. Um, there are but, some people, but I I like you know forcing myself into scenarios where I get to see the limits of myself in a way. Interesting. It goes I, back to the I perception found, thing. I very much avoid those uh, scenarios, <laughs> but that is a difference between you and I. That's also how I can say that you know going on an evening walk is sort of an immersive experience because when I'm in my environment, you know, painting or researching or whatnot, I'm, I'm not in the rest of the world in a right. way. And you're very much in control of that environment. Yeah. So just going outside and walking around in unexpected places, like, oh, wow, this is, I'm in this, you know. I just remembered what little technology we did have when you did that. <laughs> yeah. If I recall, you had like um, <laughs> this kind of, text message machine that had a uh, dial-up modem in it yeah they called it a palm pilot i think or a, no, it wasn't no. a really was it a pilot no no that wasn't i can't even remember what it was called that yeah. just struck me as familiar but like once a day or every couple days you would go to a payphone and hold it up to the like you'd cup it on the yeah to hold up to the receiver and listen to it cheap and squawk and and then I would get that and I would turn it into a blog of sorts. This is mm-hmm. prior to the existence of WordPress and right. whatnot. And I would manually create an HTML blog for you. I can't yes. remember what we called it at the time, but the um, newspapers would follow it and stuff. And I think it was called um, Travel Journal. West- Wesley's Great Adventure. Like <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, yeah. actually, I think it might even still be up. Really? Yeah. Where was at, it? Do you know the URL? I think it was at an HBCI. I, I can find it probably. It probably had a tilde in the name, I remember. Yes, <laughs> that sounds familiar. It wasn't um, wasn't a quick statement of this is the URL. Yeah. <laughs> 
I will, uh, I'll see if I can find that for the show notes. Now, introspection is a conversation you and I have had previously. Mm-hmm. How do you define an introvert? Um, I define an introvert as being someone who uh, receives their energy from being alone. Um, and alone meaning alone with your thoughts, just alone in general? Like, does it require, like, the word introspection implies self-examination to me. Mm-hmm. Is that necessary for an introvert to be introverted? Uh, well, introspection is you know, looking inside. Yes. Um, I, would, I would just add to it that an introvert, uh, I can be alone in my thoughts in a group, but then I'm realizing that I'm already being perceived and potentially, you know, value judged or declared antisocial analysis or or, yeah people are there (laughs) recognizing that i'm maybe not fully there (laughs) and and that can be uh awkward for them and then i i have that sense and it distracts me so yeah being alone once in a while is very important just to just to get recharged i enjoy spending energy with people but but that's what it is able to have the energy to spend and i get that um, from being alone whereas some people known as extroverts actually gain their energy from and they lose energy being alone right right being alone is a very draining experience for them and i love trying to understand you know empathy and being able to relate to how people feel and so for any extroverts that don't understand what an introvert is just think how you feel when you don't you don't get to talk to anybody for a couple days you know, that's I, how we feel when we're in when a, cr- a crowd for too long something. yes i definitely classify myself in the introvert category i'd say a, a sort of a sweet spot for me is one-on-one conversation yeah i read that recently can go on a long time i read recently that an introvert needs one person mm-hmm uh, one person to bounce ideas off of and to keep them from living in a wind tunnel, an echo chamber, if you will. Right. Um, and and they tend to latch on to, you know, uh, uh, a relationship, whether it's like a marriage or a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, or just a, a best friend kind of situation. Yep. I think they tend to wear those people out. <laughs> they They certainly risk that. Yeah. And uh, and then you you add in in my case things like ADD and and tendencies to uh, not blink when yeah, talking. Yeah, I was just thinking not blinking. Yeah, you do that. And uh, <laughs> and talk louder than normal and really scare the one person that you've decided to dedicate your attention to. Right. Oh, frightening. I think my my tendency is to um maybe drift off in a little too esoteric of, of areas of conversation and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah, going, going to fast. a lot of um, you know art openings, sort of event. If I don't have, if I don't have somebody there that I can sort of connect with. It becomes uh, an intensely draining experience. The small talk. It's, yes, it's I different. can relate. I can definitely relate. All right, introspection, walking. This has been fun. Mm-hmm. How about another sponsor? Hey, that sounds great. Our third sponsor today is Igloo. Igloo is an intranet you'll actually like. 
making it easier to communicate and collaborate with people at work. It's built around apps you know, like blogs, calendars, file sharing, forums, Twitter-like microblogs, and wikis. You can design your igloo around your business and even add private rooms like mini igloos for each person of your team, uh, for each of your teams. And the whole thing is easy to set up with drag and drop widgets and it's responsive so you have a great experience on any device. Igloo is serious about the fact that they're hosted and managed for you with enterprise grade security. They have a silly side too and they show it off in some funny sandwich videos they just made. And uh, be sure to go check those out at igloosoftware.com. Go start building your igloo today at igloosoftware.com slash 5x5. It's free to use with up to 10 people, no credit card required. And as your igloo grows, it's just $12 per person each month. So thanks to Igloo for supporting 5x5 and Systematic. All right. This normally brings us to our top three. Okay. Um, and we do this round robin one at a time and I'm going to let you start with your first top pick. All right. When asked to pick the three things that I felt were important to me now, um, the first one was drone metal, um, that I've found that working or researching, having certain, certain, uh, qualities to sound help me focus and, the band Earth is probably one of my favorites. They're also at the leader of the genre. So um, define drone metal for people who haven't heard drone metal. Well, drone metal will be a, a wide category, um, but you can sort of imagine some of the qualities of metal, be it black or death or anything like that, but slowed considerably. Um, to create a, a quieter atmosphere. Um, Earth uses a lot of acoustic elements. Sometimes it almost has a bit of a, a folk element feel, um, whereas there are some bands like, say, Sun with the two ends <laughs> that is uh, very loud, massive distortion but they create these these long cold uh, soundscapes so you like a range of metal though yes i like a range of, of music in general yes yeah um, but specifically in the metal category um mm -hmm. you 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 appreciate you have an appreciation for some black metal mm -hmm. some things that most people don't associate with uh artistic Types maybe more with introverted types, but uh, you also uh, you you liked at least for a little while uh, like noise metal. Yes, which is kind of the opposite to me of drone. Is there and, a certain mood that you like? Say the locust playing, right? Um, yes, I guess it metal for me probably gets most interesting in, in how I see the patterns of its structure. You know, I mean, I, you know, it has its connections with classical compositions, particularly you can see that in black metal, which is mm -hmm. why it's so interesting. Uh, it doesn't follow the same, same formula as a lot of rock or pop. 
Um, and that, that's just an interesting history to me. And, and it carries along in a different way. However, the elements of great noise or discord, um, yeah, those, those require a certain situation, a certain mood or, Whereas something what, what, more involved would be... What is that mood? Name a situation where where noise metal makes sense to you. Well, I'm almost always alone. <laughs> but I don't know <laughs> if that's by my choosing. Um, <laughs> just other people leave the room. Yeah. Um, uh, usually where I want to just... Um, oh, let's see. Overload senses for a moment. Sure, sure. You know, I, I think a lot of music in a way is have to quiet our thoughts sometimes um, and then direct them if, if that's also part of it. And yeah, I find that I don't, I don't put too much emphasis on the idea of catharsis, but there's something there of quieting my thoughts and making a, a quick release of some energy. Okay. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, I use, I use death metal more for active listening and, and black metal because I do find myself analyzing patterns. I find myself, mm-hmm. uh, I enjoy the theater of black metal. Yeah. Like there's a theatrical <laughs> element to it that you don't yes, find in, in drone metal. Um, yeah. And I like, uh, like Sepultura, mm-hmm. uh, because it does have very complex rhythms. It has complex compositions and all at the same time, it feels just, really tough right yeah and i i always like finding i don't know, I, I create these sort of odd gradients you know between musical styles in my head where you know, I, I sort of transition through black metal on over to stuff like polaris you know the guys who did the pete and pete soundtrack yeah um or the other direction towards um grimes which I, I've been listening to quite a bit lately. There was a rapper named Grimes. I must be thinking of something different. Yeah, Grimes is uh, she, she's very interesting in that she has these mixed electronic, often glitchy in influences. But she has this you know, sort of a fairy-like voice. Hmm. So. Interesting. interesting. Yes, I never really put um, strong recommendations on music because it's so subjective. Yeah, I just. All I can say is what I've been listening yeah, to. <laughs> and that's all I ask. Yeah. Um, you mentioned folk, and have you ever heard Corpaclani? No, I have not. Oh, you got to look up Corpaclani. It's, uh, I, think it's, I think they're Norwegian, all but right. it's, it's, uh, it's metal, and it has like accordion and fiddle and like this range of more folky instruments, yeah, but, yeah. but played very, very fast and... Yeah, it's, folk metal is a very interesting genre, like fin troll and that stuff. But, yeah. Um, there's okay. some theater. But how about Opeth? There's an interesting one, just in that they play these uh, these quieter compositions and at times go just straight acoustic. Yeah, I can't remember if I've heard them. There another, yeah. You might, might be interested. I'm going to have to re-listen to this if I'm going to possibly link all the bands we just <laughs> mentioned. Um your turn. Yes. Speaking of music, Vox 1.0 just came out today. Um, I wrote an article on it on Tua, 
and I will link that. Uh, but basically, it, it originally, Vox has been around for a while. It started as a developer's side project, and it became very, very popular because it can play just about every format of audio file you can imagine, and it could build playlists and everything. Uh, but it, it kind of fell by the wayside, and it was picked back up recently and turned into a 1.0 release, and it's gorgeous. The, elefa- the interface is really elegant, like you can hover over uh, what would normally, if you clicked it, it would pop up a volume control uh, dialog and give you the ability to send to all the AirPlay speakers in range. But if you just hover over it and scroll up or down or left or right, it'll change your volume without even having to open that dialog. Uh, same with uh, track position and everything. I find it very intuitive and it's a very compact interface that can just float on your desktop like the iTunes mini player. And uh, and it can also source tracks from iTunes, like your entire iTunes library is there, mm-hmm. including playlists. And it doesn't do playlist folders, which I, I've heard is annoying, but I don't use playlist folders. And it can also source from their new internet radio, which is the only part of Vox that costs money. Uh, you have to pay for a premium subscription. I have a link on my website that'll get you 99 cent uh, upgrade to that, but it's available on the Mac App Store. You use a lot that, of that's not much money. Ninety nine cents. No, and the the app itself is free, and it doesn't require radio to be an awesome app. That sounds enticing, and that it it seems like something that I wouldn't have to do a lot of um, unpacking of in order to make use of. The, the, it's it's true. You load it up, and everything that you already have just works. Nice. What do you play your music in most of the time? Um, <clears throat> I do listen to a lot of Spotify. Um, I also have a record player. <laughs> How many records do you have? I, I don't know, three, three or four crates, I guess. That's a lot of records. Yeah, there's some weird ones in there. Of course. Yeah, like um, I think I showed you a record years ago. I had found of sound effects for a slideshow (laughs) Um, but it had a big gouge down the side of it so the car crash section became very rhythmic (laughs) and very industrial (laughs) yes and that was you know back in early like post throbbing gristle and early like uh einsters and new button days that was that was an influence with scratchy records there it is and that's become you know that's that's moved into the digital glitch era Right, yeah, I often think about that when people are talking about the glitch aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, scratched scratched up records. Yes, the sounds that machines make when they aren't quite getting it right. I used to I used to do factory jobs uh, in high school, and I loved the the drone uh, rhythms mm-hmm. of machinery and how they would change subtly as different machines had different paces. So it wasn't just a constant four four beat, you know, it would like, it would morph into like syncopated rhythms and I would just zone out and do my job listening to. (laughs) It was fun. Yeah. See, we, we can find great enjoyment in things that aren't already defined as music. Right. And with a factory job, you don't have to talk to anyone. You really can't talk to anyone (laughs) except on like breaks, but yeah, no, I, I liked not having to converse 
just to zone out, just do my job and then get paid for not talking. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Vox. Vox is 1.0. It's available today. And uh, definitely check that out. So what's your second pick? Um, my second pick, I believe, is a new app that I just saw. Um, there is a book from a long time ago by an artist named Joseph Albers called The Interaction of Colors. And it's regarded as one of the most important books on the topic of color theory, which in case anyone's already glazed over thinking that's not relevant, um, it, color theory is probably one of the most concise ways to rethink how we view things, you know, to, we have our understanding of, okay, this is how I see things. You know, as I was saying earlier, I perceive them as being accurate and non-biased in the mediation of my eye. Color theory is there to demonstrate that there's more to it. Um, and it's fun. Uh, and in this app I was playing with a, a little bit this morning, it's uh, interactive in the color plates. So you can take two colors that in an arrangement seem to be very different from one another and drag them next to each other, realize, oh, they actually are the exact same color. And and that's really, I think that finds a a good place in an iPad app as opposed to more cumbersome book and trying to fold pages. Definitely. And um, I recall uh, uh, color theory in art school. It was fascinating, but working with uh, uh, construction paper and building, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but when you build uh, gradients with different widths of construction paper that uh, eventually create like new colors, just visually, like you're not mixing anything. Right. Visual mixing. You're just creating vibrations that indicate new colors to the eye. Yeah. And that's amazing, right? Because if we think of, excuse me, what seeing is then you get to see how how it has its own limits and you get to play with those limits yeah yeah and what was this app called Uh, it's called the interaction of color by joseph albers it was recently released by um, yale university press wait Um, he was involved in creating it he wrote the original book yeah it's all based on this book Okay, because um, so we, so it actually has a full text of the book, but then there's the interactive element of the existing color nice. plates. Okay, because we had that book. Of, it, yeah, I mean, at art school, a we lot had of that book. people you had to wear white it. gloves to read it. Right, um, and here you get to just get your greasy fingers all over it. That's awesome. Uh, and it has so it has the full text, all of his color plates. Gives you the option of producing your own color arrangements to you know, test your understanding. You can even if you're a participatory in online world you can share it online and let other people view it so i've mentioned on the show before but i will mention to you um adobe's cooler k-u-l-e-r is now an ios app that can do these live color schemes through the camera Mm. so you can point it and as you move the camera it starts like building color palettes and then you can edit those color palettes on like it, it creates interactive 
color wheels that you can adjust hue and saturation of a single element and everything else will uh, uh, fall into place. Yeah, that's that's really interesting uh, and seems very useful, but also reminds me of that same um, assumption we have of our own eyes as being detached or accurate. And then we apply that even more so to cameras sometimes. Yeah. Like they're capturing what's really there. Now they're, they're capturing light and light changes. And that wall that you just took a picture of, it's a lot of different colors at different times. Yes. yes. <laughs> That'd be fun to explore at that. Especially when you start <laughs> putting Instagram filters on them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, f- I find that pretty frustrating whenever I'm looking at pictures of people saying, this is the most beautiful place. And, but you filtered it so much, it, it doesn't. It's nothing's accurate about it. I can't go to this place. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. So my second pick is um, it's completely unrelated. It is, uh, it's called Quip. It's a new word processor uh, that's on iOS, Mac, and soon Android. And um, I'm taking some quick notes so I don't forget what we talked about. But uh, but it's collaborative and it lets you assign uh, comments and teams uh, to a document. It has interactive checklists you can add to documents. Uh, your documents are automatically synced. The only thing I don't like about it and what's keeping me from using it, actually, is the fact that it's entirely proprietary storage. And you can't get to your documents from any other application. It all has to be internal to one of uh, Quip's uh, forms of the application. Um, But overall, I'm really impressed with the abilities and the editing it has. It's completely rich text. Uh, It works like like you were in Word or Pages. And, uh, and you can bold and indent and turn things into lists and tables and add images. And it's a full word processor, but in, in reality, it's using, sorry, it's using structured data to create these blocks of text that it can, uh, apply metadata to in a way that you don't find in most word processors. Word does okay with this. One of the few things I like about word. Um, and it's also the reason that most of the world uses Word is because they have to collaborate on documents. So this provides an alternative that I think is pretty well done. So where's the where's the particular downfall in the proprietary storage? It, well, I mean, basically, you can't get to this structured data. Um, you you can only use your document in Quip and exporting it. I can't remember. There, there are export functions of some kind, but not, uh, not great ones. So it's collaborative, but only in Quip. Right. Everyone has to use Quip. It does provide diff views, so you can see in red and green what was removed and what was added to a document, what was changed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, to me, uh, a vital feature that's, that a lot of the more open uh, environments haven't, haven't nailed down yet. Sounds useful. It is. It's pretty cool. And like I said, I'm I'm impressed with the uh, design and structure of it enough to the to to a point where I would mention it as a top pick. And I don't mean nice. to discourage anyone from trying it out. 
Well, if enough people get onto it, then there's even more potential for collaboration. This is true. It, yeah. it imports your entire address book uh, at, at your option, and we'll show you who uh, who is available. With the click of a button, you can add friends to your document, and it's free. Uh, there's premium plans. It's a freemium model, but you can get in and start using it with other people uh, for free. And it looks like that's their plan is to just nice. be free. So that's two in a row free things. I'm not a huge supporter yeah, of free things. But. Actually, I should. I forgot to mention the um, Joseph Albers um, app. You mentioned that the real thing, you wear white gloves to hold it. Yeah. So I guess they just thought it would. It just wouldn't fly if it were free, so it's ten dollars. That's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Nine ninety nine. Yes. There you go. Is that? Oh yeah. Never mind. I was going to ask if that was on the app store, but you said it was an iPad app, so yeah. Yes. It's on the app yeah. store. They give you um, a, a free preview, which is really a very small preview. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you won't be able to do much with it without buying. All right, and your third pick um i'm a little torn so do you think i should mention a movie or an article i'm gonna go with movie okay um that case lately i've been thinking a lot about the cabinet of dr caligari um which is a silent movie from the 1920s it was german and part of the german expressionist movement in art uh, it's it's a great example in my mind of a movie fully embracing um, a movement that's so generally stuck with painting or other two dimensional forms, and and thinking about its history makes me take a different look at how we view movements. You know, expressionism was seen as being reactionary and avant-garde and countercultural. But then you realize to the extent that now that that really was at that point the mainstream culture in a way. They it was a considerable following and influence. And I just think that's interesting to then apply contexts to contemporary experiences. Yeah, I find um I find with a lot of movements and even uh well, I suppose like the beat scene was a movement of sorts, but mm-hmm. I find that n- learning the historical context for things like Dadaism and expression expressionism is very uh, enlightening to me, right? Uh, because it helps me understand where this came from. Same with music, like understanding the history surrounding. I I never liked the song "All Along the Watchtower" until I saw movies about. Like that era uh, and what was going on, right? Yeah, it's having that context, <clears throat> being able to to develop a context for something from the past, as well as trying to do the same thing for for now, is an interesting process and is one of the main parts of the academic side of art. I'm discussing, you know, where we have been and where we are going. Um, and actually, with that segue, because there's really not much to look at with the cabinet of Dr. Caligari besides watching the movie, maybe reading a review, I, I do have to mention that article. Okay, go for um, it. Because it goes along with this idea of uh, 
looking for narratives or trying to figure out what are current narratives. It's an article um, called Notes on Metamodern, uh, sorry, Metamodernism by a couple uh, scholars from the Netherlands. Um, and it's it's probably maybe a little difficult for some people to get interested in because it does make a lot of reference to where the art world has been in particular what's going on in it now. But I'd find it to be a very interesting take in, in analyzing where um, fine art and contemporary art is headed. So I will, I will link that, send me a link to it and we'll let, is it something we can read online? Yes, definitely. Okay. It's published under the journal of aesthetics and culture, which how could you not read something? It's one of my favorite publications. There you go. It's I'm I'm lying. Well, that and country living, that's all I pretty much need. I have a free, a free, uh, I guess, subscription to like architecture magazine. It was one of those where they just started sending it to me and they never once billed me for it. So it ends up in my bathroom and I read it and it's intriguing, but I really have no investment in architecture at this point in my life. Yeah. Not, I mean, I have very respect for architects, but a lot of the publications seem to be architecture built for the photo um, and not necessarily paying attention to the system surrounding it, I think would be much more fascinating. You know what else I get for free like that? Uh, Paula Deen's cookbooks? No, Rolling Stone. Oh, oh, really? Wow. And I never would have gotten a subscription to Rolling Stone on my own on purpose, but the writing in there is outstanding for the most part. You sure you don't have a secret admirer that just sends you magazines? Yeah, no, It's it happens when you like you sign up for... Certain services, they take your personal information and hand it over to publishers and publishers start sending this to you. And somewhere along the line, they forget to bill you oh. um, or or they'll bill you. And you're like, I never asked for this. I don't want it. I'm not paying it. And they stop. They send you the last warning that says your subscription is about to end. And you're like, OK. And then they just keep sending it and you don't get any more bills. It's weird. It's why the print industry is dying, I think. Yeah, the upside of a glitch as far as you're concerned. Yeah. All right. All right. So, oh, man. I, I, I'm i torn on my third pick, too. Well, I'm torn. It's understandable. I yeah. can relate. I'm going to mention editorially, which is the equivalent of quip, but with markdown and plain text. And your documents are 100% portable. You can export them as rendered HTML. Or you can get your plain text out of it, and it's completely collaborative. You can uh, it, it uses internally structured data that lets you highlight a section of words and then comment on it to the other people sharing the document. And any changes you make are stored on a timeline, and you can go back and see who changed what at any point in the document. And it's in beta right now, and I believe it's invite-only still. Um, but if you can find someone who has it, uh, everyone gets a few invites and you can, uh, you can check out the, the system <clears throat> and I'm using it in actual production right now. Um, writing with, uh, some, some people on different, uh, articles. I have different collaborators on different pieces and it's working extremely well. Yeah. It's interesting looking at how collaborative writing is, is, Becomes so prevalent, huh? Well, I mean, in my case, 
I'm basically I'm writing and then taking input from other people, right. uh, like an uh, an author editor situation. Like the mm-hmm. idea of truly building something collaboratively, I think would I would find it. It's that lack of control. I don't mind people modifying what I create, but to try to create in tandem with someone is uh, it's a challenge that I've never really tackled. Well, yeah, you have to have a framework in order to be able to place thoughts right. um, and having two people simultaneously build a framework. No, I could I mean, think that we, would lead to the end of friendships. Yeah. I mean, you remember as, as a kid trying to build something together out of Legos. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what are you even building? You're not building what I'm building. Was I a bad person to build with Legos? Oh, that was you. you maybe were there, but I'm thinking of others as well. Okay. Not naming any names. Paul. <laughs> Paul. Oh, all right. Well, that's uh, that's three and three, correct? Yes, that was. Well, I, I slipped in. No, it's that's there. the top three is always at least the top uh, six or seven. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. That was fun. All right. Well, I have a final sponsor, and that is Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code FIREWORKS. Nope. Did I mess that up? Uh, don't ask me. I don't know. Oh, I think I copied an old script. Gosh darn it. I got I to gotta check real quick here, because if I use the wrong offer code, people are going to be distraught. Yeah. Um, popsicle. Some it's popsicle. Down. Popsicle. Popsicle. One star. Bad code. One star. Um, popsicle. So uh, Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have great designs for you to start with, and myriad customization possibilities, so you customize your own identity. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even provides responsive designs to make sure your site automatically looks great on any device. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. While you're there, make sure you check out their new homepage, too. It has beautiful videos which show you how Squarespace fits everyone differently. Make sure you click the small arrows on the sides to check out all the cool videos. Squarespace is always updating their site with inspiring new branding. As I mentioned, you can try Squarespace for free, no credit card required. If you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. Make sure to go get 10% off and support Systematic by using... Yes, I had to double check again, but by using the offer code POPSICLE. So, go check out Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. So, Wesley, you, we usually, at the end, uh, talk about where people can be found online. Do you have... You're not an active Twitter user. No. You I'm, don't... I struggled with um, participation. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still trying to come out of my shell more. Um, Do you have, have a website for which yet. I didn't let the domain lapse on? No, no, I, I have... I have a domain still in my ownership and I'm trying to wrap up some projects in order to create a more a cohesive feeling to it. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. There's not a lot of place to find me. I have a languished blog, which you can sometimes find interesting things on. Do you want to, you want to list that? It's Wesley Terpstra at WordPress. 
All right, that that will be your. your at, at some uh, point, I, I'll probably um, clear that and revive it with a different project. All right, that's good always, enough. Always new projects coming up. So always, that's how we work. Mm-hmm. All right, and I am Brett Terpstra. I am TT Scoff, uh, just about everywhere. And you can find me blogging at brettterpstra.com. And if you have any feedback on the show, um, uh, feel free to use the contact form at my blog or the 5 by 5 contact form where the show notes are. And I'm also planning something new. I'm going to start posting topics that I want to talk about on my blog, and I'll link them from the show notes each week. And if you happen to, to feel you are... Uh, qualified or overqualified to discuss a topic, I'd love it if you contacted me. I'm 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 searching for new people that aren't already part of the somewhat incestuous podcast circle, and uh, and I'm always on the lookout for interesting people who are good at what they do and willing to talk about how and why. So uh, check for the show notes uh, soon. That I'll add a link for that. And, uh, and that'll become hopefully a weekly slash uh, every other week kind of thing. Sounds good. That's why I'm here. I'm, I'm not of that incestuous circle. You are not. Not in any way, shape, or form. But I am family. Family. So, there you go. Blood is thicker <laughs> than podcasting circles. All right. Well, thanks a ton for being here, Wesley. Yeah, it was my pleasure. And have a great day. We'll see everybody in one week.